I believe in duende. That's the whole idea of duende in Andalusian culture, which is this idea that basically you connect with a little gnome. You know, in Western culture, the, the gnome is kind of a muse that's from outside and comes to you. But in the Andalusian culture, the gnome is inside you. So what you do is you open up, you kill yourself in a way to let the gnome emerge. And this is the inspiration and this is the joyfulness and this. And it, that's why it's always connected with death, because something has to die in order for this to, to open up. No? Well, hello and welcome back to Tapping the Flow. We've been gone a while. It is now January 2021. Uh, I started this in 2020 in January and I thought I'd be 52 episodes into this, but hey, life happens. Things happen. Things change. Industries change, but we're still here and I just wanted to welcome you back and thank you so much for coming along for the ride. This is um, a wonderful conversation with a truly inspirational human being on the London music scene, Gibraltar poet and songwriter. Gabriel Moreno, who puts on the Lantern Society in London. He is a fantastic songwriter. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. His words are monumental. His performances are monumental. The way he curates and creates and combines with other people and the joy he brings to his performances is nothing short of some of the best stuff that I've seen in recent years in London. And I would firmly advise checking out the links at the bottom of this to keep tabs on Gabriel and the other people from the Lantern Society who we discuss. The Lantern Society is a night that's put on, I think, at least once a week while it was put on regularly in London and people could come from all over the place and just perform their songs. And these are songs of the highest standards. You'll hear as we talk about things how much words and music mean to us. But we are songwriters. And that's the bit that we forget sometimes. I think that this this particular podcast is interesting for anybody who's interested in songwriting and, and art forms that you can aspire to higher things and you should really try your best to unearth who you are. Lose the mask, be yourself. Before we barrel roll into some banter, I'm just going to play a track off Gabriel's new album, Whiskey With Angels. This song is called Margaret Burns. Margaret Burns I started a war with your friends And all cause I happened to say I didn't agree with the money they spent On bangles and furs And rice-eated bread See, I don't get when they claim They like it the socialist way But they're burning their fortunes away Oh, Margaret Burns These times are insane We're facing the crest of monstrous waves Which are leading the world back to dark and poisonous caves Put the mortgage away Let's live in Republican Spain Where poets are lovers again 
And painters they paint for the beauty of paint Not for the millions they'll make With their smoke and their fame Won't you help me reclaim That the rich are the reason the poor won't be saved That the poor won't be saved Margaret Burns These times are insane We're facing the crests of monstrous waves Which are leading the world back to dark and poisonous caves Say I will change Once they give me the money and the fame Oh, Margaret Burns They're chasing our beauty away But I don't care what they say We'll battle the darkness till the end of our days Till the end of our days Is the mic too present? I don't mind. It's realistic. Come I on. I don't mind. This is where I like it. This is, this is where <laughs> we're at these days, isn't it? You know, we've come to this position. I can hide half of my face. Isn't <laughs> you can't hide the truth behind the microphone if you do what you do, can you, man? <laughs> you know, you. We uh, want to. We want to create a better truth than this one. Yeah, I I've been blown away by listening to our music, man, over the last little while. I have to say, you know, it's oh, it's thanks so much, man. It's um. You've been in London for quite a while. I mean, the the, the yeah. whole the whole goal of this podcast is to sort of find out where you're where you've originated from, as in your creativity and things like that, and how you ended up being where you are today. Like, I have a quote from one of your poems where you've said, "Poetry's been kidnapped by comics and nerds. Music silenced by myth seekers and narcissists. An art reduced to a way of exfoliating snakes." And like. Okay, yeah. I'm into that. I, I, I think I can feel a connection with you through the snakes part particularly, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I, made a so- I made a song a while ago called Some Snakes Are Handbags, and, and I think it was about, like, snakes are supposed to be vicious. They're supposed to have their way. If you convert them into a handbag, that is not a, that's not a snake anymore. That's a handbag. No. And so for me, I thought, like, maybe you're along the same wavelength as that, that the truth to you through your music is more powerful than any need for fame or anything like that. Well, we always have a tiny bit of that urge, no? um, which pushes us to validation and some kind of status that we're looking for. But it's just we know that it's probably not the highest form, the most elevated form of art or spirit that we're looking for. But none of us are exempt from the sins of uh, success that we all uh, maybe since we were young, no, these crazy dreams that they sell us of the American rock dream and all these kind of mythological figures that we try and um, and copy. But deep inside we know it's just probably just the remnants of, a, of another age, no? It's not really what we want. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're a lifer, you know, you're in this for life. You're, you're not in this for money. You're yeah. in this for love maybe, but not for money, you know? Well, I wish but I had you... a bit more money, but <laughs> I can't complain. Let me just close the door one minute. Oh, I did. 
Yeah, no, I've been definitely thinking about these subjects for many, many years because um, the first thing I realized is that most of my peers and the people I met along the way, they, they seem to have lost at some point the essence of what they were doing it for. You know, the core of like what, what was poetry, especially poetry, because mm -hmm. I started with poetry in Barcelona and I met many people who'd forgotten the reason why they were writing. It was all about the rest. No? It was about contests in literary reviews. It's about, it was about journalists. It was about competition with other poets. It was about technique, but they'd lost the essence of like, why does a poet even bother mm. to start writing in the first place? No? Mm -hmm. That was something that worried me because I always thought maybe delusion Yeah, I had the delusion, but I thought poetry was supposed to make us more elevated, no? It was supposed to extend the spirit, the psyche, the imagination, but I hadn't found so uh, many cases of that in the literary circles that I was in, in Barcelona, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one thing I say to people who start writing songs, that they often see the final product as being the... Uh the prize, but the prize is actually in, in being truthful to what you're trying to say. That's the only thing exactly. you're looking for. You can't see an unfinished song as a fantastic work of art because it has to be a personal voyage for yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you yourself, you curate Nights in London. Um, that's obviously yeah. something that now with the coronavirus is suffering a lot. Um, <sighs> Completely, yeah. I had this thing that, um, that songwriting nights are a bit like You know, it's it's a bit like a tree falling in the woods. If a tree falls in the wood and no one's around to hear it, does you know, does it make a sound? Like a song written mm. in a room, is it actually a song until it's been played in that sort of environment? And that's probably the most important environment for music to exist in. You're um, you've been running the Lantern Society for a long time now. Was it set up with the view of other people having a place to play, or was it you trying to find your space? No, the lantern was set up before me. It was set up by uh, Trevor, Trevor um, and Hannah Lou, uh, Trevor Moss and Hannah Lou in I think it was 2008, more or less. Right. Oh, and basically, I arrived in 2011, and uh, I had an amazing night at the Lantern Society. It was my first actual singer-songwriter experience, where I felt the connection with the audience, with the other musicians, with the songs, and I had just one of the most memorable nights of my whole life. And from there, I really got uh, a longing and a craving for the Lantern Society. And a couple of years later, I was running it. Wow. So um, at that time, it was uh, also Benjamin Folk Thomas and Jack Day, who are wonderful Americana artists. They ran it for a couple of years. Yeah, right. Okay, because... Do I you mean, know them? I, well, I tell you, I don't really remember. I, I, moved to, I moved to London in 2005 or 2007. I don't really remember the exact year or much of that time of my life but i did <laughs> i think it's a blank so that's why i drink a lot of tea what now. were you doing at that time oh, geez i don't know man i was drinking a lot like like <laughs> <laughs> i was i was yeah i just was playing and drinking but probably more drinking than playing and walking like i'm a, yeah. I'm a somnambulant man i like to walk the city at night time and stuff as well you know <laughs> but i do remember meeting benjamin folk thomas in maybe it was the betsy i think and playing a couple of songs there and then we went somewhere else Whoa. and then i don't know what happened but there you go that must have been <laughs> he it. was known he was known for eternal nights of drinking and decadence and debauchery i shared a couple of nights with him before he left the lantern society i think it must have been 2012 or 13 uh -huh. and then he passed it on to me and simon stanley ward And we were running it together for a couple of years, and then Simon uh, didn't want to continue, so I, I, I started running it by myself in 
2013, I suppose, mm-hmm. more or less, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I changed a tiny bit the direction because it used to be a bit more folk, a bit more Americana, a bit more country. And I tried to um, move it a bit to the troubadour, singer-songwriter, kind of more with a tiny bit of poetry, a bit more of the European kind of feel, no, of uh, singer-songwriting, which is similar to Americana, but uh, there, there is a tiny bit of... Um, difference there as well no? yeah there's so a we got, we got, I think watching your recent performance at uh, is it St. Catherine's that there was so much life and, and positivity and smiles shared on that stage I mean I, you know I think that this is your thing yeah, it's a Mediterranean kind of thing isn't it as well yeah my idea was that I love the singer songwriter I love the troubadour I love the Americana but I also started to get a bit tired of this gloominess no? this constant kind of like self self um, defacing kind of performances which is also beautiful when it's done properly but sometimes i felt that there was too much self self absorption mm-hmm. in the performances of the of the singer songwriter and uh, it didn't feel natural to me i felt a bit more prone to be more in the extrovert side but some of the americana crowd and stuff they didn't like that as much because they saw it as less serious no? when someone is smiling when someone is joyful and for me, it was very strange to think that being joyful is not seen as professional or serious. <laughs> so we, ha- we had a tiny bit of a tension there, but o- always in respect. And of obviously, w- we, we each uh, follow our own ways. But yeah, I tried to, maybe even as I was um, condemned for my joyfulness, I tried to be even more joyful on stage. I knew you'd Just be as like a that. counterbalance, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, you got to stir it up sometimes. Like my you song, stir it up, yeah. you got to stir it up. Like my songwriting is particularly um, of the self-inquiry type, but I do try to resolve the issue by the end of the song. I think sometimes you get a, <laughs> like there's a joke. How does a singer-songwriter warm up their voice? It's Dore me 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 me. You know, there's a there's, there's an element of that in, in a lot of it, and I think it's be, it's because it hasn't been resolved. I think you can take something and make it yeah. a beautiful journey, but it is a point A to a point B. It has to go somewhere. Of course, you know. Well, of course, there is a moment for introspection. There's a moment for deep darkness. There's a moment for reflection, but just as it's part of the journey, like you say, not the whole point of it, the whole aesthetic. No? And I think the problem is that it seemed to be like the, the aesthetic to have, no? this kind of um, enigmatic, problematic, self, self-defacing, self, um, mm. self-analytical singer-songwriter, a bit like the, the early Dylan no? mm-hmm. idea that many people thought it was the only way to, to be a singer-songwriter. Mm-hmm. And my idea has been, uh, well, you have to find your way. It doesn't have to be any particular way. It has to be yours. And it can't, for me, it's quite um, distasteful when you feel like you're just copying the aesthetics of other people, other generations, you know, Mm. because if you're not going to be famous, at least, you know, be poor your way or, you know, at least do your gigs your way. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, I find it very disturbing when, when I find that people are just putting on a mask, really. Yeah. for themselves and for the others no? uh, well and they're also needlessly cutting themselves up for the sake of a song sometimes yeah. and and also forming and dissolving relationships for the sake of a song you know that's particularly destructive um this your it is, it is. Let, let's talk about where you're from you're you, you were born yeah. in gibraltar is that correct i was born in gibraltar yeah i was born in gibraltar and i was i lived there till i was 18 yeah and then uh, i went to university in hull in the north of england because we all go to english universities wow okay you went from sun to the opposite 
<laughs> yeah. But I, I fell in love with Hull. It was an experience because um, there was a lot of international students, a lot of music, a lot of uh, open mics, a lot of um, concert halls, a lot of uh, clubs, and it was very cheap. And that was something very important for me because mm-hmm. I came from a working class family in Gibraltar. I couldn't really afford mm-hmm. the, the London nightlife or anything like that. But in Hull, I was extremely happy. We had like uh, money to go out every night. We used to go out from uh, Tuesday till Sunday. Monday was rest. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, we had a, a lovely time there with bands. I started my first bands there in Hull. And, uh, and then what happened was that I got um, an exchange program because I was studying philosophy and Hispanic studies. Oh, I was clever enough to think that if I studied Hispanic studies, I'd probably have to do very little work and I could spend most of my time doing music. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the, they, they offered me an exchange year in, uh, in Chile. Mm. So I went there as, a, as an exchange and there I fell in love with Latin America. Wow. That was, yeah, that was, I had to return. So after university, I went back to Peru and I stayed there a couple of years before I, um, I went to Barcelona and then London. Yeah. Was um, the South America sort of journey a big part of giving you the joyful performance that you now possess? Absolutely. I think in the discovery of myself as a writer, it was all in Latin America through the work of Widovro and Neruda that I realized how important poetry was in my life and writing and finding your own aesthetic to your own psyche and trying to put your thoughts into into words and into rhymes and into into musical mm. compositions. And I think Latin America, yeah, definitely made me who I am because uh, I was also, I'm, I'm writing a novel about it now because um, that year was the year that Pinochet was arrested in England, 1998, mm-hmm. was the year I went to Chile. And I started to discover politics. I, I think I grew up that year because before that I was just into drinking and drugs and you know having as much sex as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a, a depth or sensibility towards life, humanity, politics, you know, the world, um, my fellow people, Gibraltar, all these things that probably uh, I hadn't had the time to, to reflect and, and consider. But that year, through the poetry of Neruda and Widovro and through experiences I had, I think I became more, more of an adult, no? more mature. Uh, I started writing. Yeah. I started writing that year. Yeah. Would you have been so the... Would you have been the guy in the coffee shop with a pen and paper? I think so. Mm. Uh, that's, that was my moment. And uh, I also had very terrible, terrible physical problems that, that year, which were probably oh. also part of my psychological debacle at that point. But that helped mm. me to really concentrate in my, in my inner life no? and try to, to read more and try to understand who I was and, and start writing. Yeah. So I, I'm very grateful to Latin America. Yeah. Uh, had, like, did you see fame at that point? No, at that point, uh, I, was, um, I wasn't even considering writing as a profession or, or anything like that. I, I remember my only idea was like I would live till 27. No, my father was quite, had a very, very uh, extreme lifestyle. And I thought I'm going to live, you know, as much as I can in the night. And then at 28, we'll see what happens. No, but I didn't expect much from my life. But after um, after the the writing in 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 Chile and then Peru, it all changed because I, I got published very early in in Barcelona, very young mm-hmm. and very unexpectedly. So uh, everything changed because I was like suddenly I was like in the most important bookshop in Barcelona. I hadn't, you know, I had contact with all the 
famous poets of the time there in and and I thought to myself I didn't expect that I wasn't it wasn't my intention and it all became a bit messy I suppose because I I wasn't really intending to to use poetry as as a way of of having status no? sure but then from what you said it sounds like poetry gave you a reason to live because you thought at 27 yeah. I had the same thing I thought like oh, I'll make it to 27 and I don't care after that but it uh it it's it was for me what kept me going was I needed to write um, yeah. and, and that gave me the will to live you know it's a funny one but without the pen and paper like I've always like I've always thought of songwriting or writing of any kind as a wonderful burden it's like something you yeah. have to do but damn you'd, you'd love it and hate it at the same time but you'd be lost without it yeah well it's the purpose no? many people are looking for their purpose in religion or in, in other um, aspects in politics but songwriters true songwriters people who are like you know in, in the depth songwriters they know that that's their purpose and that's what they live for and that's what keeps them going but obviously along the way you, you learn to understand that songwriting is also part of, of the human experience and what we are looking for is actually to touch that human spirit you know? and we, we look for it in songs, some people look for it in, in humanitarian issues, other people look for it in, in religion or other people look for it in sex but we're trying to, in my opinion, try to delve into the core of what it means to be human mm -hmm. and what it means to be alive and why. It's important, no? which is what you do so well. But, well, that's what I've always dreamt of. My my dream was to basically do to people what I'd been done by poetry and by songs, not being touched in that like profound manner and being given like a a, a kind of map into existence through through songwriters like um, like Leonard Cohen, as you know, is one of my favorite mm -hmm. um, generals of song. But many French like Brassans or the Spanish like Sabina, they're people who gave me like, uh, because I didn't really have a direction, they gave me kind of a, a purpose and a, a roadmap on how to live and why to live. Mm -hmm. And my, my dream was to, to obviously participate in that, in that book of songs and of poems which, which have um, instructed so many people in the past. No? And I never thought I could really. I always felt a bit insecure about the whole thing because I'd never had really formal training and I'd never actually been um, from a family of artists or none of my close surroundings were into like high art or anything like that. But slowly you realize that no one can validate you. It's only you, yourself and your work and your your discipline and, and the years that, that, that show you at the end what what you wanted to become was merely a, a craftsman of, 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 of songs and poems and no one can tell you, not even the presenters at BBC Six or, or like the reviewers in, uh, in important music magazines, they can't tell you if you are uh, enough or not. Mm. You have to, it's, it has to be you, no? it has to be you to understand this purpose and, and to be okay with it. I think one of the biggest biggest uh, I talk with some friends about this the biggest uh, challenges for a songwriter or a poet or anyone who's creating is realizing that perhaps it's not you perhaps you are not the one who's going to like you know write something amazing or create something amazing but it's it doesn't matter if it's not you the important thing is that if you have the 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 desire and the urge to improve and be part of that um that conversation and that table of art and if you happen to to touch upon a moment of beauty, well, great. No? 
it's it's uh, but it's very hard for all of us i'm to understand that maybe there are very few who touch that excellence no that that's that right. how do you feel about that i think that's about that idea that's a very um powerful statement because of course we all want to be that person that lights that fire but yeah if you put that yeah. much pressure on yourself you might never light any bit of a fire at all no. um, i've been suffering from a lot of writing block recently um for the past few years you know and i think my partner she said to me look just allow yourself to be bad you know yeah. and i do have a problem with that because i do like to have a level of quality but at the moment i'm mm. not producing anything like i've considered myself a wordsmith but at the moment i'm not writing lyrics and i'm feeling bad about that and and I've struggled with other people's lyrics. I think that there probably there's a lack of decent lyrics, at least in what's at the forefront of what's majorly played on radio stations and stuff. Uh, but stumbling across your work, it gives me a lot of hope, you know. As I take a lot of hope from that because what you've done is you, you're, it's like you're a conduit for something that's past, but with your own style, which is obviously you've hugely influenced by London. You've laid yourself bare in your words. You, you've opened up the, some of your world of what's going on to you, but you've you've distilled it with a sense of joy. And so you're taking something and repackaging it, but hugely with your own style in there. And you're improving, you know, you're absorbing and improving, and, and then you're presenting it with a huge smile on your face. And that's brilliant, man, because like it doesn't have to be sad or monumentally heavy, but damn, it's full of meaning and truth. Well, I thank you very much because sometimes I feel very misunderstood, you know, in the English panorama as well, because it feels that my way of acting or my way of expressing, it doesn't seem to have a niche kind of um, place where to, you know, the Americana people found me a bit too, um, too energetic, mm -hmm. you know, the world music found me a bit too melancholic and a bit too dark and the country people didn't know what to make of me uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the indies don't like my mustache yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no down. but i do i do appreciate it because uh i do lots of people have told me all my life you are leonard cohen but i don't feel that way the way i write i feel it's like obviously uh, someone who's into poetry trying to put it into song and that's why most people associate me with leonard cohen but i think the way i write if i read the the, the lyrics of leonard cohen and obviously He's a master, he's a general, he's the best in the world, but I don't feel that we write in a similar way at all, in the writing sense, you know what I mean? It, and, is, uh, it'd be too easy to say that, wouldn't it? Like, that's just a, a sort yeah, of but that's what the, comment. You in know? all the reviews, in all the reviews I've had, in every single kind of um, exposure that I've had from my music, there's always a reference to Leonard Cohen, and I get it because obviously it's poetry mm. and music together, I understand that. But I think if we look a bit into the world vision of music. There are many singer-songwriters in France, in Italy, in Spain, in Argentina, in Chile, in many countries who try to do that, um, that fusion between poetry and, and music a bit more. And they all had very particular and interesting voices. And of course, for me, it's an absolute, absolute honor to be even equated with someone like Cohen. But I think like what you said for me resonates more true in what I'm doing. Mm. Like I'm trying to put my own psyche in it, in the writing. The music is different because the music, obviously, uh, I find myself very limited in what I can do because uh, I have my limitations as a musician. But in terms of the writing, I do feel pride in, in feeling that it's, it's my take on it. Mm. My, especially because most of what I use is uh, Spanish rhythms in writing. Mm. 
and they are using English words, but most of them are come from Latin American rhythms and alliterations and, and, and waves of patterns of rhythm. So, so yeah, I try to do that. Obviously, uh, it's a hard thing when you're trying to do a tiny bit of your own take on things to find uh, to find a place where you're accepted, no? because obviously it's um, a bit different to the Americana world. Or, or but there are many other artists that I know who are in that mm. kind of division where they do their own thing. Yeah. And um, how do you how did you find your music accepted in different genres? I've been um, struggling to fit into anything at all, man, because I'm, I'm, I'm like, I play the acoustic guitar like it's an electric guitar. I play the, play the electric guitar like it's an acoustic guitar. I, I try to play in folk clubs. I'm too loud for that. I'm too quiet for rock clubs. Like, I don't fit. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we should and, and, create our own club, no? Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's totally like, it's, it's very frustrating. Like, it's... But it's never, I've never not made the music I wanted to make when it came to making an album. Well, that's important. And, and, and the idea of making an album is that it's a complete body of work that has a start and a finishing point and is a journey. And for me, they're, they're almost like concept albums. There's a whole flow yeah. there. And, and then you're asked to take one song and represent yourself with one song. I just couldn't do it. Like, it's felt like I was cheating on the rest of the songs on the record, you know. So Yeah, no, it's a weird thing, isn't it? It's weird. It's, it's, uh, I've been rebounded by most people I've submitted my music to, I think, um, and uh, I'm recovering from that now. But I'm intent on making a new album this year. I'm not sure what it's going to be. Well, it's difficult because to have faith and to have, like, um, to have credibility and to have the will and motivation, nowadays it all comes to us because, you know, uh, we don't have any managers, we don't have any big record labels mm. behind us. It's all up to you waking up in the morning and thinking, yeah, I'm going to nail a song or I'm going to nail a poem or I want I want to express something and it is yeah. it is quite hard I find a lot of my friends suffer from that and I suffer in many moments but to be fair the older you get also my son helped me a lot because once he was born I realized there was no way back I wasn't going to do anything else I just had to put some money on the table mm -hmm. so why would I bother if I was good or I wasn't good if I was going to do it anyway so I just thought, just get on with it, no? And he did help a lot, because since then I just did more than I used to do, because I, I had ah. less doubt. Because I didn't have time to doubt. I didn't have the possibility, the luxury this to is, doubt. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, this is, the, this is the Spanish side of my partner's always saying, there's no time to have an emergency. You know, there's, there's no time for that. <laughs> you know, that's a luxurious thing, having the time to panic about this shit. You either do it or you don't yeah. do it. You know, just get, get on yeah. with it, for fuck's sake. How old is your son? My son is four years old now. Oh, man. He's uh, Angelo. He was um, four at the end of November. And yeah, he's a joy in my life as well. He, he, keeps, um, he keeps on challenging me to be better because obviously a child doesn't really have any filter. No, He tells you what he thinks, who he is, who you are. And uh, yeah, it's very, very interesting to, to see yourself reflected on someone so, so unspoiled no? by the human consciousness. Yeah. That's it. It's the unspoiled nature of them, isn't it? You know, yeah. what a serious responsibility that is. But you can't take it too seriously either, you know, because you don't want to mess them no. up with your issues. So all you have to do is be joyful with them and they respond in the same way. But he has helped me. He has helped me to, to get on with it, you know. Yeah. And um, and you realize that 
on the other hand who cares really no who cares if uh, you people think that you're good or bad or like you know you made it or you didn't make it at the end of the day all that matters is if you wake up with the motivation to write a new song or to work on the poems or to yeah. put on a gig you know and then if you have your mortgage paid and stuff more or less and i mean that's my philosophy obviously obviously like you know like we all know we all love a bit of validation when someone you know recognizes your songs i was very happy to be fair i didn't expect how happy i was when Keris matthews played my song because all my life i'd been so much in the underground mm. that i thought it it wasn't for me to be in any way played by anyone who had any kind of say in the in the music industry because all my life i'd been surrounded mm. by people who live the streets no the street life the pubs the very small festivals the the you know the house gigs all these things so it was a very it was a shaming i was ashamed of how much i <laughs> kind of enjoyed that you that were moment embarrassed no? by how much you actually realized that you needed that or just you appreciated yeah it. i was embarrassed I, i i felt like such a fuss because all my life i'd been saying like the underground all we need is the underground yeah the true art happens in the shadows and then they give you a bit of validation you're like yeah bring it I on know, fantastic man. you spend all your all your time running this way and you're like oh no i'm gonna go over there for a bit yeah <laughs> but it's no, I, but I think it was uh, it was beautiful to be fair it was beautiful yeah she's cool anyway you know she's cool yeah, she she had her own unique voice come on like it's not like you could hear that it's yeah. a marmite voice you know you either love it or you hate it you know you're not going to be in the middle ground exactly. like that but you you've carved your own yeah. niche in london right you had to create the yeah. place where it worked for you you know um and and now yeah. you, you you sort of you embody um the artistic person who's going to also combine with others you know collaborate with others Uh, yeah. and it sounds like listening to your recordings that you pretty much record live as a unit is that is that how you do it yeah we re we record live uh, i try to collaborate with different musicians i've got a band uh, called the quivering poets but they're in spain most of them right so obviously it wasn't possible to record with them during lockdown so they sent me a couple of tracks from spain other people that um, i work with in london adam Beatty and fiona yeah. and um, ty watling aisha watling they're in kent Yeah, and it's always incredible to have that collaboration, no? that moment of of actually playing live. Mm -hmm. I remember every time I play with Fiona, she's like, "This is not a concert. We are making music." And I'm and I asked her, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, sometimes I go with bands and we reproduce rehearsals in the live, but with you, with this band, we always create something new on the spot. We are making music as we go along." Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize because I kind of thought that that's what everyone does, no? but. It was nice to to know that um, she felt that way because yeah I, I believe that music should be made every time every time you play you should be recreating it um, re remodeling it chiseling it till you find the the best shape for it yeah and uh, but you need the collaborations for that it's a new moment in time I think um, one of yeah. the things in England that I have found is that music is quite round on there there are no edges like they seem yeah. to smooth them out and like growing up in Ireland where people roar their heads off and sing their hearts yeah. out you know it's very guttural and raw and it has edges and I think yeah. that's nice um, and then coming over here I, I ended up playing with Passenger for a while which was I didn't intend wow. to, I didn't intend to do that <laughs> I, I intended to come here and you know do my thing Um, but I played with Passenger for a while. Unlike you with the validation thing, I was like, cool, I'm going to be in a band. And, and I, I embraced it. <laughs> but course, I came out the other side of it, realizing that, that I, I sort of cheated on my muse. And, 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 and now I, I don't know where I found myself. 
but I, I am I have to write songs that sometimes are commercially viable or at least produce things that are commercially viable and I don't really enjoy doing that you know I, I would much prefer no. to be collaborating with people to go into a room sit down and then embrace a new moment in time which is a celebration of an idea that we're all uh, vibing on and bonding in which much like Bonnie Prince Billy does with his stuff yeah, I love what he does. It's incredible to see him live as well, and, and that moment and that excitement, no, which that yeah. bubbliness. I also like Bill Callahan, but he's a bit more produced. But he also has that in his lyrics, no, that that freshness, that, that yeah. aliveness, that. Yeah, that, I felt that when new, I felt like the vision. influences. I wouldn't. I would put these influences with you. Would have, obviously would have been Leonard Cohen, um, but Bonnie Prince Billy and Bill Callahan. Not because there are similarities in what you do, but because of the qualities that you bring to it are similar to the qualities that they bring um, in, into their own work, you know. And I think um, watching, um, was it We Can Write England from, from St. Catherine's, that gig you put on, oh, yeah. there was a sense of Bonnie Prince Billy joyousness to it, I thought, you know. But you were really like, you were all smiling, genuinely smiling during the performance. Well, it was a special day because obviously we hadn't performed for so long, for so many months. We didn't know if this festival could um, could actually take place. It was those 10 day window between the two lockdowns. Yeah. And we were lucky, lucky enough that we could have the audience and we hadn't had an audience for, for months and months. We, we did a couple of gigs in the summer, but outside in gardens and stuff. So uh, some people asked me, uh, this was my launch. It was the launch of my album. So people ask me, are you nervous? I'm like, how the fuck am I going to be nervous? I'm just joyful that it's happening. I don't mm -hmm. care if I bump 10 notes because it's yeah. happening. We're here. There are people watching us. We are together. We are playing music. The album will be launched. Uh, this lovely priest uh, called Roger Pierce, he was from St. Catherine. He gave us the, the venue for free as, a, as wow. a generosity to art, you know, to give the, us a possibility to show our work. And it was so interesting because uh, Adam Beatty, who had um, organized it with Fiona, was very scared because my album cover has this nun smoking <laughs> and drinking. Yeah, so go. he was scared that they wouldn't allow me to launch my um, record in a church, in this church in particular. And they didn't want to show the cover to the priest. But when the priest saw the cover, Roger, he loved it. He was like, ah, this is great. You see, mm -hmm. the, the fusion, it was always the idea was to have that fusion between the the cosmic and the energetical and the body, you know, and it was that tension between sex and the spirit. And he saw it, mm -hmm. he recognized it and he loved it. And it was a great moment to be able to, to launch this in a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And we were so happy. We were incredibly joyful. And obviously um, we don't get many opportunities to be together. No? We spent six days together in that, um, in that chapel and they have a hotel there oh. and uh, Roger, organized for us to have rooms in the hotel for six days. Wow. So we were incredibly happy. Uh, you, you can tell in the video that we, it, it, it was honest. But that's the way I try to perform, to be fair. I always try to have the face that, of what I feel. And usually I'm very happy when I play live because I never expected it to happen in my life. I always thought it was for other people, you no know, live performances. But so every time I'm on stage, I'm, I'm usually happy. I have some moments when, you know, I, I get, I lose my concentration and then I get a bit angry because I'm like, oh, I know how special it can be. Mm -hmm. I know how much passion and power we can bring. And when it's not happening, I, you know, I get a bit tense. But apart from that, I'm happy to be there always. And I don't know about you, but I feel that that's the place that I belong. The stage, you know, 
somewhere between reality and fiction mm-hmm. in the borderline of the everyday and something sublime that's where i feel most um i ease. i totally agree with that i don't feel comfortable in life as much as i do as on a stage like and I, that's my space like that's my own space i get in touch with channeling something um that feels like it's coming from somewhere else but it's literally my connection to creativity which this is like this podcast was to theorize about a constantly streaming creative flow that we as creative people can just go ah and grab onto something and channel it through us like a lot of songs yeah. come from that obviously you need some sense of like knowledge about how you do things but you need to be tapped into something um I believe in that. I believe in duende. That's the whole idea of duende in the, in the Andalusian culture, which is this idea that basically you connect with a little gnome. You know, in Western culture, the, the gnome is kind of a muse that's from outside and comes to you. But in the Andalusian culture, the gnome is inside you. So what you do is you open up, you kind of like kill yourself in a way to let the gnome be born or the gnome um, emerge. And this is the inspiration and this is the joyfulness and this and it, that's why it's always connected with death because something has to die in order for this to to open up no this is what what i feel about inspiration and about performance is that you have to connect with the duende and you have to kill your your persona your mask your your alter your ego mm-hmm. no you've got to destroy it in order to to connect with these forces i know it's very unpopular to speak about this nowadays because after the postmodernist uh, paradigm it seems like anything which has some element of spiritual or transcendentalism can be seen as a bit insane or or unfashionable but yeah. I, I believe in it i believe in it and i want to live like i speaking to this priest he said look i don't believe in god he said to me well he didn't say i don't believe in god he said i live like if god exists uh-huh. whether he exists or not is another issue yeah. but i live like he's there it's mm-hmm. the same with me and inspiration. I live like inspiration exists, uh, like mm-hmm. duende exists, like poetry is sublime, like music is for the gods. I live like if it was like that. Whether mm-hmm. that be true or not, that's another matter. But Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's true, does it? It's not It's no. not the point for it to be true. The point is that, that being connected to it, whether it be real or not, is a hugely uh, powerful way of being in touch with something greater than yourself. You know, that's and it's the only way to create decent art. That's why many people ask me, what do you think about you know most of the songs that you hear? I said, I'll tell you the honest truth. They are, most of it is shite, yeah. absolute and dire, mm. absolute bollocks. Mm. And they ask me, well, why? It's like, well, the, not even the premise is right. If you don't have a premise to create anything special or anything profound, how are you going to create it? Mm-hmm. Because most people that talk to me say, well, it depends on who listens to it. So like, you know, I'm just doing my best. It depends. Well, it doesn't depend. If you're doing a horrible song, it doesn't matter if 1,000 million people listen to it, it's still a horrible song. And if you create without the the urge, the determination, the challenge to create something magnificent, you won't create something magnificent. You simply won't. Mm. Because you haven't even put the first building blocks for something to happen. Mm. And that's what's happened uh, with a lot of the songwriting, with a lot of music. It's very unpopular to say it. Many people... uh, I think I'm just frustrated or, you know, angry, that's why. But it's what I do believe in. I believe that music and poetry and painting has to be sublime or otherwise there's not much point to it, really. We try our best, doesn't mean that we've got to stop trying. Everyone's got to try, but you can't even not... If if you're not even trying to create something beautiful, you're just trying to make money, Mm -hmm. then 
hey, sorry, you don't have a chance. Yeah. And uh, you probably, it probably better if you don't do it. Go make money some other and way. Yeah. Go some make some other way if you can. Because yeah. the problem is that then the people who are trying to create something beautiful, they're not even allowed to think about money. Because you're like, they're like, they told me a promoter two weeks ago told me like, um, do you want to pay a hundred dollars for your music to be heard in this playlist? I'm like, no, sorry, I don't want to pay. It. <laughs> and they're like, well, you need to invest uh, to to make your money. I said, no, what I need to do is get paid for what I do. And he's like, oh, you're just selling out. You just believe oh, in money beyond that. I'm like, what are you talking that. about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, to have an actual salary from music is like selling out, but to pay you $100 to put my song in a playlist is fine. That's the completely It's the all gone crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all gone crazy. It, like a, it's a, all you, gone mad. You have to need a song to exist. It's not enough to want it to exist. It has to exist because Absolutely. it furthers you and this, on this planet. You know, there are core things. Absolutely. Um, I think at the moment, like I have, I think I'm, str I'm struggling to write a song because this is me being totally honest here now, because I'm, I am not in touch with the part of me that needs to write the song it's because i'm wanting to write the song and that's 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 not going to work you know what um, makes you be in touch with that part usually in your experience being truthful being honest mm. starting from an honest position um uh, not necessarily having a plan i had a had a chat with someone this morning about it and it was like it needs to be it needs to be the thing that's beneath the surface that that you can't like you can't really see it, but you're gonna have to cut yourself to access it. It is quite dark, obviously, but I'm afraid if I do no, cut yeah, that, I'm gonna be overrun by things. You know what I mean? So, obviously, there are some issues in there. I need to I need to figure out yeah. what it is. Um, but uh, I've yeah, I'm not sure how I'll end up where I need to end up. But I'm I'm kept going by songs. If a good song comes along, I know I'm, I'm I know I should keep going. You know. Of course, that's the most important thing. If you have that um, creativity. Uh, bursting you forward. Mm. When was the last time you wrote a song you were very happy with? Sorry, I sound like a psychologist here. I'm enjoying I'm trying this. to understand. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking you these questions, but that's, no, that's I'd rather I'd rather interview you. We're having a conversation. <laughs> um, actually, to be honest with you, like the last time I wrote a song that blew me away was in at the start of last year, about this time last year, I started writing the words and I, I, I woke in the morning with a pen and paper and just wrote. And uh, that became one of my favorite songs. And I recorded that during the lockdown, probably in March. It came straight away. Yeah, yeah, it flowed out. And then th that, that book is starting to fill up with ideas, you know, but that one flowed out and it was a song. And it's, it's the level that I set with that song that I have to achieve with whatever else I write next. And, and after that, I've written some songs that my publisher asked me to write. And that's, that's, oh, I can do it. I can write and produce a song in three days, but yeah. it's not, it's not gonna be, I want I want one microphone, voice and guitar. If it doesn't work like that, voice, guitar and words, that's not a song without those three elements. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So I I'm now I'm now chasing the quality that that was at, and uh, I know that the ideas are there, but I'm I'm probably afraid to go back down that door because, being honest, that song, like I had my my brother killed himself about two or three years ago. I'm sorry. And sorry I, I I think that since that happened. It's been very hard to write about what I should be writing about, which is obviously whatever that is. So I need to of frame course. that in a way that works for me to be able to explore it without being too close to it. So that's what I'm trying to find. Yeah, no, that's, I suppose that's the, the, the biggest fear is that this, um, this openness for creativity also is the openness to, 
to terror and to emotions of um, sadness and of despair, which, you know, we try always to keep in a corner. But um, unfortunately, not only for songs, but for life, uh, we have to face the bull. No, We have to take the bull by the horns and, and die with it if we have to in order to to get out of of the of the of the bullfight you know what i mean and it's a hard one don't get me wrong i've got things that i'm still really really finding hard to digest but yeah i think for for songwriting and for poetry we we probably have to go there no? it's it's the place where that holds the magic probably yeah the, the, yeah no it's true the, the song i wrote after that was actually one of the lyrics and it was like uh, i need to grab the bull by the horns until i realized oh, from wow. the, until i realized from the bull i was born and i made my peace huh. with the bull and i put a crown on its head and it and like so oh, i do wow, that's a great image. i to- totally agree with that it was it was about yeah it's, it's all about being truthful so I, I lie when i say i haven't written a good song since the last one because they are there they're there it, it, it is it is this it is this trying to connect with something that has to be said you, I need to say it otherwise I'm not going to say it I'm not going to sing some sort of lovey-dovey song because I'm not in that no, mode in no my point. life what, what's, there's no point to it anyway there's no point to it I mean for yourself with, with your last album uh, Whiskey with Angels do, is it a very personal story? Yeah, I think I'm rewriting the same story for years, no? This idea of this dichotomy, this tension between something spiritual and something decadent and something like, um, in a way, debaucherous and uh, insane and, and a bit like visceral and passionate. Mm. And then this other part, a bit of the, the story of my parents, no? What, my mother became a religious minister. My father was a very ardent criminal uh, nice. with a lot of... Uh, <laughs> a lot of desire for the nightlife and for, you know, carnal um, pleasures and all that. Sure. And I think I always lived in that dichotomy, you know, in that tension between those two worlds. And I think this album, but the first one as well, Love and Decadence was a bit about the same. And Farewell Belief also like touched on those on those topics. I think once you once you find your topography, your mythology, you know, what what is important to you in Mm -hmm. your psyche, then I think that's what you write about, and that's what I've been doing. I mean, the the last songs I've got six new songs I'm going to write for the new album, and this was a bit different because they talk about this this year, this year of insulation, isolation, a bit about the the lockdown, but not mm-hmm. only about the lockdown, but the internal lockdown when you are trapped inside your brain mm-hmm. and you haven't really um, connected with other people or or otherness so yeah that's gonna be probably a, a different kind of direction but yeah. yeah the whiskey with angels is usually about that uh, tensions dichotomies loves uh, innocence and um, and cynicism that war that we all have no between something magical and something cynical and rational and mm-hmm. and uh, very uh, analyzing mathematical and yeah, yeah. I, someone asked me yesterday, they asked me like, uh, are you still writing? Do you have things to write? I said, look, if they don't kill me, I'm probably gonna write every day till I die because I've got so much shit I need to bring <laughs> out. <laughs> if it's not yeah. gonna be songs, it's gonna be poems or it's gonna be a novel, it's gonna be something. Because this story is probably very um, predictable, but it keeps coming out. I don't see uh, any... Um, any solution, final solution to the whole dilemma. No? You're still because living I see it. The, I'm still living it and I still see it outside. I see the tension between people's egos and people's spiritual 
aspects. I see the tension between people's flesh and people's uh, good nature. I feel this constant like war. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I don't think that's going to end. And that's probably something I want to write about. So you, I think what you've done is you've, um, you have managed to frame a story that isn't necessarily about you, but is about your, your parents and, and their, I guess, positions on opposite sides of the coins of... of um, yeah, but if you now thinking about it, it's about them, it's about me, but it's also about the world now with this crazy dichotomy, you know, yeah. everyone's like separated. Everyone's either like incredibly willing to... Um, to, to embrace uh, conservative uh, ideas or or people who are totally against that and, and want an absolutely different paradigm of reality. And it's very, very little middle ground, no? And it's a constant tug of war. And and I I funnel this through my story, but I see it everywhere. I see it in America, mm -hmm. I see it in England. Because we can mm -hmm. write England all over again. It's, it's not only about Britain, it's about us, no? Yeah. We should be able to write a better story for ourselves, for our humanity, no? For, but it's always the same, the same tensions, the same issues. And I think poetry and music is one of the only ways with painting and with all the art forms to try and design a better reality. Yeah. Finer I, reality. I have this image of you standing on a, on a middle ground with a rope to one side and the other pulling them together, <laughs> you know? In your songs, <laughs> and also get my limbs broken. <laughs> Maybe you're being hung too much for me. by it. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. That's that's. <laughs> it's too much. I think that's why why your your music is so successful is because you are saying something that you really need to work out within yourself, but you also have a message yeah. for the world. It's an important message. Isn't I believe in this message, but not through uh, the logics of what it's about. More about the idea that. I think we all have to embrace this tension and investigate it. So I don't think I'm giving any answers, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but I think it's important now to embrace all our sides, no? Because you see all the liberal people who, who, who you can tell, there's conservative parts of them that they don't really talk about or really digest. And, and the same with a lot of conservative people who have seen incredibly sensitive and kind and humane aspects that they don't want to embrace either and i think it's it's probably a good moment to try and, and and understand that we are a bit of everything all of us you know and we have to question it and understand it and not be afraid i see that we're all afraid no yeah 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 this is and i had this conversation with someone yesterday as well that it is you know it's good to have a difference of opinion it's good to be able to voice your opinion in in different ways and that's okay. It's okay to have a difference of opinion, but let's be vocal about it and see where we get to, you know. Yeah, and let's consider ourselves as well, because what happens is that we are not our opinions. We think we are, mm -hmm. but we are not actually. Our opinions are things that we've made up along the way, because, you know, we found that that was probably resonating more with the way we saw reality, but we are not those opinions. If you take away those opinions, we're still something. We're still us, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the problem, I think, that even for myself, many times I've, you know, I've gone on about poetry, for example. And then uh, I, when someone told me, well, actually, Gabriel, perhaps this idea of the thing not being completely objective, uh, it, it might it might have some truth. And I didn't want to leave that that concept because I thought that was me. But then thinking about it, you're like, actually, you're right. Yeah, poetry is not completely objective. There's a lot of subjective things to it, you know. 
And you know, some people will think that poetry is a, is is a nursery rhyme, and that's fine. It's okay. You don't you don't have to fight against it, and uh, with an, with a hammer, you know. Of course, you have your values, you have your principles, but um, yeah, I think we should be relaxed with with what we think and what we what we are at this moment. It's not the time. It's not mm -hmm. the time to go around with an axe. Mm -hmm. It's the time to. Um to do what you're doing, I think we just just be truthful to yourself and put it out there and move forward. Well, question ourselves, no? I think we all have to question ourselves. I question myself in terms of should I even be putting this stuff out there? But you know, at the end of the day, I think if it's important to you and someone listens, well, it's it's not that bad, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I should be doing more. Obviously, uh, I feel guilty sometimes that I'm not participating more in in political and social um, formulas and uh, organizations and things which are a bit more practical. No? But yeah, that hopefully is my resolution for this year. <laughs> yeah, as if you, you've probably taken on enough already though. I think you're probably a figurehead in the London music scene. Um, what is going to happen in the London music scene this year? Well, the London music scene, we know that uh, most of the venues that we were working with are closed. For example, the Empire yeah. Bar has gone into liquidation. The Caramel Bar uh, has gone into liquidation as well. Oh. And we know the, um, obviously, the Jamboree, we have good news because the Jamboree, basically, they found a new venue and they've paid for it. They've actually paid, bought a venue. Wow. So they should be... They should be up and going if everything goes well in the summer. So yeah, a couple of them have fallen, but another couple of new ones have, have risen again. And obviously, if everything goes the way we, we dream of, mm. people will be so hopeful and so energetic to go out and to uh, share their music and share their poetry and share their performance. I think we are going to have a very, 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 um, very uplifting season if it works out. If it doesn't work out, another year could kill a lot of us. Eh? Yeah. So let's hope that by summer we can go back to some kind of yeah, yeah. Of, uh, of nightlife. I, I feel I feel the same. I feel an incredible sense of positivity for the resurrection of the music scene. Um, but I do know that there's a lot of work to be done now. And, and most of it seems yeah. to be building communities and sharing ideas and being there for one another. Because now more than ever, music is more important than it ever was. And the smaller gigs and the up and coming songwriters and the people who've been around a while who haven't had the success, but tell it like they tell it. It's very important that we have our forums to do so. You know, so I'm trying it's to put It's the most important. It's the most important thing, right? Like I just, we were in, we were in Madrid for four months because my partner's from Madrid and we were in a basement for four months, like in, in her parents' house. And it was a very enclosed environment came back to England because, you know, I wanted my child to have someone to hang out with and then bang into a lockdown again. But since I've got here, I'm wow. realizing, you know, it's like I'm talking to venues. I'm trying to see how we can put on at least do multi-camera stream gigs, which are proper live stream gigs like the one you did in St. Catherine's and, and, and at least start the recovery process. So we know we've got places to play because when we come out of this, we're going to want to sing our hearts out more than we ever have. Oh, done my before. God. That's the dream that we have, but and the and the certainty that once this is over, art will be more important than ever, and that we'll all feel mm. more artists than we've ever felt because we'll have so much um, caged in 
that has to come out. And so many people are, are going to want that, are going to want to, to resonate with those songs, with those ideas, with those feelings. But obviously it has to happen soon because if it takes too long, some of us, I'm in a more or less fortunate situation, but I know other musicians who might not make it mm -hmm. if we don't, um, you know, they'll have to change course, sell houses, leave London, mm -hmm. change careers, mm -hmm. and sell guitars in order to have enough money to continue. Yeah. That's a bigger worry. I feel from the people I know, if it's summer 2021, we can all stretch ourselves up to there. Mm -hmm. Further than there, I know there'll be casualties, mm -hmm. casualties along the way, and that's very, very worrying because every artist that die that dies in terms of stops playing or stops performing is one less possibility of being angelical for all of us. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Of finding a bit of light in this crazy reality, and we can't, we can't, we can't allow, we can't. Um, we don't have enough artists to let any go. So, you know, I'm worried about that. But I know if by the summer we, we get out of this, I know there's a big community in London, especially singers and writers I know that I work with at least 80 of us, which is just gonna take over the underground for sure. Because yeah. everyone's got be new down. songs. I'll, I'll, I'll be down. <laughs> you gotta it's come a, with us. It, it, I, it, I'm definitely on board, man. But it's, it's interesting you say there are 80 of you, but it's, it's hard to see like, I'm looking at a blanket of 80 stars and looking at them pop out one by one, man. That's a terrible thought. Like, I have already sold amplifiers and stuff to survive. I wouldn't sell a guitar. No, you can't. If I sell a guitar, those. I'm in a lot of trouble, man, you know, but... but Don't it, sell your guitar. No, no, my guitars are going nowhere. They're part of my soul, you know, at this point. But no. it, it, it's, it's hard to survive, isn't it? Like, because it was already difficult before that, but now it's obviously... Yeah. It's crazy hard. The only thing, though, I know is that also... Um, a lot of our expenses have gone down and you know as artists we like to live in the excess and alcohol and you know <laughs> eating out traveling and all that yeah. uh, we've managed to more or less keep it going because uh, our expenses have fallen incredibly uh, and then obviously our income has fallen as well so particularly myself I think I am more or less where I've always been just my liver is a bit healthier than it's ever been. Yeah. That's the only thing I can say. And uh, that's not such bad news. At the age of 43, I probably needed a break because I started drinking at 15, probably similar to you guys, no? Right, man, yeah, 15 it was. It was 15, yeah, I'm, I'm 44, so yeah, I've been drinking. Well, I, yeah. I stopped drinking, man. I stopped drinking about eight years ago, which is how old my oh, son wow. is. <laughs> <laughs> I and and that's why you wouldn't have seen much of me when I was living in London because I was damn scared oh. to go along to any of your nights or any <laughs> nights to be honest because it's, it was but really I hard. met you once right I met you in person you met me so you met me when I was going to produce Catherine Ruddy's album um, ah exactly and yeah. I came along to meet her I'd never met her before and you were performing <laughs> uh, in the Betsy yeah yeah at uh, the lantern yeah and i'm going to be talking to her actually next and she's oh wonderful i love Catherine. she's incredible i love her songs she's a genius uh, she's one of the only people i use the word genius in the london scene yeah she's very she's she's incredible her melodies her way of um changing folk her lyrics has her voice everything is beautiful it's really essential like it. it's essential and and, and i when she yeah. sent me her music i was shocked when i heard it i could not believe it 
you know. And you produced it. You produced the album. I I would suggest that she produced it and I helped her along the way because mm. it's her sound, you know what I mean? I definitely, yeah. I added parts, guitar parts and stuff, but what she gave me was herself on this rolly keyboard. And and obviously she is a, she's a piper, right? A, a, a bagpiper yeah. from the very northern shore of Scotland. And I think that when she came to London, well, I'm going to ask her about this, but when she came to London, she was uh-huh. influenced by the sound of screeching trains and stuff. And this essence of the piping music became her sound bed through digital right. forms. Um, and I just, yeah. it's a unique voice that she has there, you know. It's a unique style. It's a unique aesthetics. The whole album is beautiful. I've got the vinyl and I listen to it a lot because it's, yeah. uh, it's what we're looking for. We're looking for new um, visions of singer-songwriters. We're looking for new folk. We're looking for new um, troubadours. We're looking for new bards. And it's not only the voice, it's the sound, the aesthetics, the choice of words is very important, unfortunately. If you don't choose the right words, you just become like someone else, not just like another yeah. kind of Americana thing. Because we are singer-songwriters. Without the words, we we would be just musicians or something else. You know, yeah. the fact that we are singer-songwriters because we use words, mm-hmm. and we need the right ones, the right ones that belong to you, not to anyone else. And um, yeah, she's definitely got that. We've got fantastic people in our scene. Jeremy Taplin is doing great. He's a fantastic mm-hmm. special voice. Adam Beatty has done an amazing album as well. His mm-hmm. partner Fiona Bevan, which is very acclaimed and very beautiful way of singing and mm-hmm. and writing as well. And Samantha yeah, Waits. Dominic, Samantha Waits, Man. Dominic Silvani. Yeah. Got loads, loads of fantastic artists. Everyone now, Man in the Field, lots. I, I can't tell everyone now. They probably won't listen to this anyway, but most of the people that come to the lantern are people that we believe in yeah and people have got something to say something to to express some people are in the beginning of the journey some people have already mastered it and some people you know somewhere in the middle and some of us are just doing whatever we can but there are a lot of voices which are yeah i've met a few in my travels like russell jocelyn was the probably the first person who mentioned russell amazing to me with Sarah, with yeah, his girlfriend, yeah, fantastic, okay, grungy folk, very beautiful, very particular, very his voice. Very, that he's full of passion, yeah, full of passion. That guy, yeah, and I loved great. him because his his energy was really on fire always. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely fella as well. And then I think one of the more recent ones was uh, Laura Francis, who's now Laura Fell. Laura Francis got an amazing voice. Yeah, she was really funny because she was uh, at the beginning. This is a bit of gossip, but don't it's worry, right. someone. It's useful. She was. Um, she was Chris's partner before she started, Chris Bramley's, yeah. uh, Catherine's partner, before mm. she started to be a singer or anything. She always wanted to, but she hadn't really got the guitar yet or anything. And she came one to the unit. I was living with Chris in Cable Street. Mm-hmm. And she came to the unit and she picked up the guitar, a couple of chords. She couldn't really play much, but a couple of chords. And she started singing. Mm-hmm. And I was astounded because it was a very particular feminine voice. I'd never heard a woman sing like that. It had a resonance, it had a chestiness, mm-hmm. uh, it sounded very rich, very, very rich and very particular. And I asked her, I said like, um, she says, no, I'm doing a couple of songs, I'm starting now. And I was like, you're fantastic. And we gave her some of our first gigs were at the Lantern when she started the first time she ever go on stage. Let her not forget that, because eh? sometimes she forgets <laughs> where she started. Let her, for, let her not forget where Hi, it all began. You, I know you're listening to this. Laura, <laughs> we love you, but don't be a diva 
and go back to your roots. I uh, I produced her first EP, actually. She came out to me. And we oh, did, really? Yeah, the four songs or five songs. Wow. Yeah, Restless Bed of Water. That's fantastic. And it was our mutual Sick. friend, Gita de Redder, that introduced her to me ah, as well. Gita. So, um, Gita yeah. is a wonderful, fantastic, wonderful artist. And a joyous oh, I'm a glad joyous we have creature. so many connections. Well, I think I Very f- joyous. It, it feels to me that we're quite important, in at least in steering people in some direction in their musical career, you know. Well, it's very important. It's one of the most important missions we have, no, to try and um, and give our experience as well. Because maybe we're a bit older as well. We've we've been down the road a bit mm-hmm. more, and it's our duty as well to to give our impressions. Doesn't mean that we're right. It's just an impression mm-hmm. of of an older dog. No? I think it's an impression of an old <laughs> dog. Yeah, yeah. And, and for that reason, the old dog needs to stay alive. You know. That's why we yeah, need to the keep old dog fighting. Needs to be artistic. The problem is that when we give advice, we have to do give ourselves the same advice, no? Yeah. And be confident and powerful. I um, maybe in the past I was giving too much advice and not advising myself as much. And now it's the time for me to work more in my art because I I spend a lot of years as well running, encouraging people. I was always doing my thing, but I probably spend a lot of energy trying to also. Um, you know, um, stir things up in the scene. And now I feel it's my time. It's my time for my poetry, for my music, for my project. And obviously I'll participate and help as much as I can with my nights. But uh, the focus is on my project at the moment. Mm-hmm. Just to let everyone at the Lantern and staff know if they're listening. <laughs> fuck you it, all, guys. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you. It's my time now. Yeah, yeah. I've had a taste of success. Kareth Matthews has mentioned my name. I'm out of here. Yeah, it's all changed. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's interesting because uh, you, you work with Samantha Waits and you put her on. Put, she had a, a performance yeah, in St. Catherine's. She like she put a video on Facebook the other day. Of, I think it was the song was something about Good Morning or something like that. I, yeah, I um, hal, um, it's the morning. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I'd never heard her sing like that. She was singing outside of herself, like with a rawness and a truth. And she said it was because it's the first time she performed that song. It was phenomenal to hear her, really. In that, she's got an incredible power, and she has very very beautiful um, um, sense of emotional correctness in her music. No and. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. depth. The, like you say, when she loosens up, uh, for me, it's uh, it's a joy to see because there is that catharsis. No? Yeah. And the problem is that many of the people who have been a bit more successful in the scene, they have been boxed in these little frames, which um, have given them a bit of notoriety, but have also limited what they can do artistically because they mm-hmm. feel they have to like satisfy those those um, expectations no? of the girl that sings really well, or the boy that that plays guitar lovely and mm. everything sounds beautiful and, and sometimes we have to break free break free from our own own um chastity belts mm-hmm. and uh, yeah have a catharsis even if you fuck up a note or if you break a guitar string or if someone doesn't like it because you've gone a bit over the top but it's also um a, an important push in your journey because that can lead you to to new horizons and new new places in in your creativity so yeah, I I love Samantha. I love what she does, and I also love when she has that catharsis. Yeah. Same with uh, Adam as well. I've told him, and he knows, and we speak about it a lot. When Adam loses control, it's amazing to see because he has all this technique, yeah. all this purity, all this all this wonderful curation. And if you give it a bit of madness as well, well, it's 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 another another um, side of the performance that we can mm. all explore. 
you're, you're, you're essentially poking someone with a pointy stick and giving them a band-aid at the same time, Gabriel, you know. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny, with Adam, I, I don't know Adam that well. I know I know Oliver Price very well, and I know they're both Scotsmen, but Adam, when, it, when I see yeah. him let loose, it's pretty damn impressive. Like, he's really, like, he's incredible going somewhere. Musician. He's channeling something as well, isn't he? He's an incredible musician, incredible artist, uh, one of the most dedicated people I ever met into into an art form no and uh, that's very admirable because nowadays very few people dedicate their whole lives to their not their career what i'm saying is their their work their their art no they're they're refining their their product mm. which is uh, a beautiful beautiful thing yeah and uh, the new album is great it's it has a tiny bit more of that um contemporary nourishing um dirty feel that i like and I think he produced it himself and has done a great job. And there are some songs there which are going to be classics. I know, very beautiful album. He's a man uh, with a good lyrical twist, you know. He always has the right lyric. Uh, the only thing I mm. tell Adam sometimes, and we, we talk about it a lot, is that sometimes the perfect poem is a wrong poem in the sense that, you know, sometimes you've got to make the poem imperfect so that it becomes more than, than it mm -hmm. can be. And the idea is that, um, yeah, you know, when everything is completely resolved in terms of, of rhyme, in terms of the story, in terms sometimes the twists and turns, um, yeah. you know, break it up if you can. It's, a, it's like a, a train needs to come off the tracks to make sense as to why exactly. it's on the tracks in the first place, right? You know? Yeah, hmm. that's, that's exactly it. And Adam's doing incredible writing and incredible, incredible songs and incredible production, incredible everything. And yeah, we talk, he teaches me a lot of stuff because before I met Adam, I was definitely more rough around the musical side of my expression. And he, he also taught me to sometimes be more introverted and sometimes concentrate on the internal mm -hmm. performance and people connect mm -hmm. with that performance as well. And, you know, you don't always have to be out to the audience. You can always travel inside as well and let people come with you. And that is my dream mm -hmm. now for the next year to have all those aspects in my performance, to have a more visceral, passionate, side but also to have a quieter intimate and more reflective side to have a funny side to have a more serious side to have a bit uh, like like life itself no the performance it can't just be one mode it just can't be one mood i don't understand how a performance can be one whole mood i mean it's beautiful sometimes when you know people know what to expect they go to see some folk singer songwriter and they know the mood and they mm -hmm. sit there and the whole mood is the same and it's great because they are safe and they love the music and it sounds amazing. And I think, great. Not for me, but mm -hmm. great. I don't go to those gigs. Mm -hmm. They bore me to death, mm -hmm. but great. But what I'm saying is that there's so many, why has music lost its theatrical element as well? Mm -hmm. Music was mm -hmm. part of the theater, part of the performance, part of poetical part. It was, it was all the same thing. And um, yeah. My dream is to continue exploring and have more, more facets to the performance side. Also maybe parts a bit more technical, try to work a bit more with the instrument, show a bit of the guitar that many people sometimes complain like, Gabriel, you never play a bit of like, play a tiny solo or play some arpeggio, you know? Do something on your guitar. I'm like, I'll try. I, I bet promise. you can, I'll you try. can play, you can, you're a mean guitarist, right? I, I, I play, the only thing is that when you concentrate so much on the lyrics and the performance part, sometimes you, you also, I feel I'm changing my view because I think this is stupid, but I used to think that 
showing off in your instrument is a bit 80s and 90s, you know. I, th I thought we were past that, no? Solos and doing like interesting stuff yeah. when you're singing. I don't know, I felt a bit not my cup of tea, but I, I promise I will start practicing a bit more. I'm expecting some Steve Vai <laughs> moves here, man. You know? <laughs> it's I a got a new guitar. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because my old um, classical was dying. Oh, man. I got a new, it's really nice, um, it's a Jamahaba. It's got a really nice tone to it. Man, do you want to play yeah, us a I'm song? Really happy. Would you play us a song? Would <laughs> Does you play? it sound all right there? It sounds cool. Well, it's going to sound good through your microphone, so. Oh, yeah, of course. Play us something. I'd love to hear that. a bird I used to swoop low to peck in the crumbs of your coffee pot so when I was a bird I thought it was wise to try and discern the smog in your eyes but then you took me in And I fell into your mind It was deep as the well Where young lovers die When I was a bird When I was a bird in a little blue box I kept the ruins of my past For my poems and songs When I was a bird I flew to Madrid To hide in the bars From my family's sins Then truth came my door with its two ugly brown paws I said fool you can't hide from the cracking inside when I was a bird bird I like the disguise I hid in a bin oh made by your lies when I was a bird my beak was shaded and gray I failed to connect with the roots of my blame then truth came to my door with its two ugly brown paws said fool you can't hide from the cracking inside when I was a bird when I was a bird 
When I was a bird When I was a bird That is brilliant, man. That's so nice. Thank you. Oh, man. Thank you so much for playing for me. That really I'm glad, took me I'm somewhere. I'm glad you like it. We've got it I recorded really there, so it will sound better yeah. on, the, on the actual recording. Oh, you're the first person to play for me for a long time. Oh. <laughs> I feel very emotional now, you know? Oh, thank you. I feel emotional playing as well. It's weird because you're not alone. You're actually performing, you know? When you're practicing, it's so different, you know? It's totally different today yeah. i was a bit in my head i was trying to do this new song and i've done a, a version of it but i wasn't really nailing the timing and i just spent like five hours in my head trying to nail the timing the bass the guitar mm -hmm. and now it feels so much better so much more uh more sense to just perform mm -hmm. to play to enjoy yeah there's there's some great great guitar playing on on your records like don't put yourself down man it's amazing because you're obviously uh, singing and playing at the same you. time you know yeah it's, you are the instrument bit, the voice and the guitar is the instrument you know no one yeah, no one can and... reach us here that's a hard guitar part that's in that song right yeah no one can reach us here is one of my favorites in terms of the guitar because uh, it was you know when you learn a new technique whilst you're writing a song mm. and then you you practice the song so much that the technique becomes part of you and that's, it's a lovely feeling because there are things that before you couldn't play, but because you've written a song with it, mm. you learn how to play new things. And that's the way I've always um, progressed with the guitar. I've never practiced um, riffs or, or keys or scales. I've, I've needed to learn something in order to write a song mm -hmm. and then practice with the song. And uh, how about you in terms of guitar playing? Because you're much more and proficient guitar player uh i've been accused of being a fret wanker in the past yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I i i played a lot of electric guitar in spain i took my les paul with me because i couldn't fit the acoustic guitar in the car and then i got over there oh. and then i was like okay i'm going to play electric guitar i went down every sort of iteration of myself over the last 20 years and I can play the guitar till the cows come home, but I'm not that into mm. cows. So it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. I, I, I am going to use the electric guitar to record my next album, but I play oh. it very softly. I really like the sound of it. And the fundamental reason for me for liking the electric guitar over the acoustic guitar is that the sound of the guitar is over there. My hearing's not as good as it used to be, so I can hear my own oh. voice better. It's a That's funny one. fair enough. No, but it must be nice to feel that you can go different places with the guitar and there are different options you have when you're songwriting, no? It's, I'm a bit yeah. limited with what I have, but I try to learn new things um, in order to get new songs. Usually. Yeah, I'm all into tunings, man. I have a, like a very old acoustic guitar that's from the 60s or 70s and it's, um, it's very good for alternate tunings. Um, so I used to have a like a Nick Drake phase where every song would be a different tuning. And this oh, is interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. It sounds great. But then you realize that when you put the guitar into normal tuning and play the song, it doesn't sound great, you know? So <laughs> it's a funny one. Well, there is a, there is a big, um, there's a danger there. The problem is that sometimes when the guitar sounds so good, you write the song for the guitar mm. rather than the guitar for the song. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen it because I've done it myself. I've put some tunings in the open D and I'm like, wow, this sounds great. I've got to write a song because it sounds so good. Mm -hmm. But then when the song is finished, like you say, without the sound of the tuning and stuff, it's not a great song. Mm. So 
you sh- uh, for me the sound should never be more important than the song mm-hmm. and that's a problem in production people who produce the song to sound good rather than to be a good song mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you said it before you said it before when we started the song has to sound with one voice and one guitar yeah. has to already sound like a, a solid song and then the production yeah. helps right the production helps the song it's not but it's not the song the song is the song the yeah. song would be the song without the production but the production would be nothing without the song uh, although exactly. in the modern era that isn't necessarily the case i think if you took a lot of songs well, there are great days, productions mm. but we're talking about singer songwriters a bit different no? yeah because yeah. if we talk about like we talk about soul music or funk it's mostly sometimes it's the same value no? the production and the song is very similar in terms of what it makes people react mm-hmm. but we are singer songwriters mm. singer songwriters means without songs you are nothing mm. you're you're nothing because you're not a, a singer mm. you're not like you know you're not known mm. just for your voice mm. you're known because you have songs without the songs the problem that's why if you're a folk artist and you sound like someone and you sing very well you play the guitar very well but you don't have decent songs uh, you have a problem mm-hmm. you have a problem because you're not an interpreter You're not like uh, Elvis Presley was an interpreter. He didn't need to have songs. He he, he just got bought songs or mm. found songs people he liked. But you're a singer songwriter, then you have a problem if you don't have great songs. Mm. Yeah, and and good songs should stand up on the basis of their lyrics alone as well. You know, that's uh, yeah. It, not not to the extent that poetry has to. Of course, the they no, do inform one informs the other. Of course, you know. Yeah, for me, like a, a song doesn't necessarily have to work on the page it still has to have some coherence and it has to be pleasant to read but it doesn't have to be a great poem Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i mean it it seldom is even cohen's songs if you place them beside great works of art of poetry they don't really stand up no Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to because they are great with the melodies with the song with the chord construction Mm -hmm. but um the problem is when you take out the lyrics and you put them on a paper and there are things that you, you feel ashamed of writing then it's a problem you know if you have like lyrics like uh, the sun is you and I am the sun and I look at a rose and the rose reminds me of you and the smell of the trees if you get that on a piece yeah. of paper you should be embarrassed <laughs> no It's an insult be. to the tree that provided the paper in the first place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what's worth the, the paper w- it's written what's, on. what's the worst lyric you've ever written? The worst lyric was probably the first songs I used to write. They were always, um, I met this girl in a Saturday night. Uh, I bought her a drink and I asked her to dance. Hey, hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, That was before I ever read a poem in my life. Mine is probably like, I, I feel like a horse looking for hay in a pile of needles. And I thought like... Oh, but that's interesting. At, la- at least it's, it's got metaphor. It's, it's got painful, conceptual. <laughs> yeah. But at least there is an intention to be clever or something. Mine I suppose so, yeah. pretty yeah. trash. <laughs> Trying too hard. No, but even, um, even good lyrics can be bad. You know what I mean? I've got l- lyrics which are very good, but then you hear the song and you're like, this is disgusting. It's... it's um, the It's one of the sins that you can fall into is trying to be too clever and sounding pretentious, pedantic and like, mm-hmm. you know, distasteful. Sure, look at and Bonnie Prince Billy, you know, he's, he's got yeah. some, he's got some very, very dodgy lyrics, but man, he makes them work for him. Like, no, he's got some magic, no, he, yeah. he casts on those 
performances and the songs. Yeah, the same with Wolf Bill Among Callahan. Wolves, yeah. Oh, that's really phenomenal. A big one. Bill Callahan's got better lyrics, don't you think? Uh, yeah, he's more he's more stylistically correct to himself. I suggest yeah. Bonnie Prince Billy's yeah. it casts his net a bit wider, doesn't he? And sometimes he pulls in a yeah. good one, but sometimes he doesn't. But he keeps the whole lot. You know, whereas Bill yeah. Callahan's <laughs> like more streamlined and like this is this this. But they've combined now; they're collaborating on a record. Have you heard any of that? Yeah, I've heard the single, and uh, it's very interesting. To be fair, the first two listens didn't totally no. get me, catch me as much as I thought they would, mm -hmm. but. Um, but it's going to be super interesting. It's to, an interesting one. It's, it's there's so much expectation behind it. But at the end of the day, when I'm hearing Bill Callahan sing lyrics that Bonnie Prince Billy's written, it doesn't really work for me yet. I will no, not yet. hold back on it. Yeah, they've done a cover as well. No, The, the single is a cover from, I um, can't remember the name. I was just looking at it yesterday. Yeah. I, it was interesting. It was good, but I didn't really rate it that much, to be fair. Maybe we've got to listen a couple of times more before I... I decide, but yeah, we can yeah. we can reconvene on a judgment for that at a later date. Yeah. Um, well, listen, man, I'm 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 absolutely thrilled to have spoken to you finally. Like, it's good to sit down and have a chat with a with an old veteran like yeah, yourself. Yeah. You know, we've got many <laughs> good years ahead of us, man. I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah, where your career goes. This is just goes. the beginning. It's just the this beginning. Is just the beginning. I might actually get to do a Lantern Society gig at some point. You know, that would be probably a magical moment. Yeah, if you can um, come and hopefully the the event will be back on. That would be something to look forward to because those simple things that we didn't realize before made our life beautiful. Yeah. Those gigs, those events, those those connections, those beers with friends, mm. and uh, f listening to Catherine the first time or Adam or mm. these people, those are moments that maybe we took for granted, but Being hopefully present. we won't take for granted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you up here as well. I'm gonna put on a gig, and I think you blow the place away. They need a bit of you up here. You That'd know, be awesome. Yeah, man. That would be awesome. Where are you located now? In Norfolk, you said? No, I'm in Suffolk, in a place called Woodbridge in Suffolk. 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 Which is where yeah. Brian e. Eno came from, and it's full of musical ah. types, and I'm looking forward to meeting them all and uh, seeing what they're up to, you know? Uh, yeah, what a pity you, you arrived just in lockdown. <laughs> it's hilarious, yeah. yeah. But that's, it's okay. I'll make the most of any situation I'm placed in, you know? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Great, well, it's a pleasure speaking to you and, uh, yeah, hopefully see you in person soon. I look forward to it, Gabriel. Mind yourself, man. Mind yourself. Well, how about that? Wasn't that a, a truly remarkably interesting conversation? Um, I felt like we could have uh, spoken for uh, actually a lot longer and dived deeper into uh, extracting some more truths from the truths we'd uncovered. Um, it is very important to remember that Gabriel is a supreme wordsmith and I think if you can aspire to write words as well as he does then I think that's a good aspiration to have. He's a credit to the London music scene and a wonderfully open human being to having on the guest and I, I thank him very much for that. I hope you've enjoyed this one and I'd like to thank you for coming along again for this journey into understanding creativity and the machinations of such a way of thinking and next week there will be another lantern guest and uh, that's going to be an interesting one we we'll see what we can find out there uh, i'm very lucky to have met some wonderful people along my travels um, in the meantime i wish you a wonderfully safe week secure week and a fun week and get your creative diving suit on and see where you can get to um, thank you very much for tapping the flow. I'm Stephen William Hodd. I'll see you next time.
Take care.